Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Amen. So let's get started this morning. We are dealing with a series called Test Proof, and it's coming to us from the book of James. It's adventure through the book of James. And James, of course, is the younger brother of Jesus. You know, it's amazing to think that Jesus had brothers and sisters, and he did. And James was one of the brothers of Jesus. And James is writing this letter, his letter to the church that has been dispersed from Jerusalem. And ultimately, you know, James, his journey starts off kind of shakily because he doesn't believe that Jesus is a Messiah. He believes that Jesus is kind of crazy to begin with. But after the resurrection of Jesus, James's faith is centered, it's rooted and grounded, and he has this amazing insight because he went through this test of, of his faith, you know, whether he believed in Jesus or not. And one of the nicknames of James, or James's nickname, was James the Just. And so it's really great, and I find it fascinating that he goes from this, this extreme where he doesn't believe in Christ to this amazing Christ follower that gives such wisdom and instruction and great advice to, to Christ followers. And so all d- doubt is dispelled from James's mind whether Christ is Messiah or not, and he comes to this, this firm foundation. And so he writes to us and to the church and to let us know that we all come to this time of testing, you know, and he has been through this time of testing. So his letter is really about test proof. Test your life to see whether you're following God's word in the way that you are supposed to. And so the greatest adventure in our life is a, a, a journey of self-discovery. It's because there's so much that we have to learn about ourselves and apply in our lives and improve and, and become better as individuals and as a community and, and ultimately as the world, you know. And so James is asking us to examine the outlook of our life. And then it's all about who we are as Christ followers. And so he starts off with talking about trials and circumstances. He moves into the productivity of our faith. And then James pivots into one of the most poignant subjects that will ever be discussed. And it's this, you know, he he presents us with this amazing thought. And to grab our attention, he asks us this, this question or he states this statement. It comes to us from James 3 verse 2. And this is what it says. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And it's an arresting statement. On the surface, it seems somewhat unrealistic because here's what he's basically saying. He's saying, if you control your speech or your words and have never said anything wrong, you are a perfect human being. You have just absolutely achieved perfection. Now, all of us watching, whether you're watching live or later, I want you to raise your hand. It doesn't matter if there's someone around you or not. Raise your hand if you've never said anything wrong to anyone in your life. If you've never said a mean word or a rude word or a hurtful word or an inappropriate word or an insensitive word or if your words have never injured someone, raise your hand and say, I haven't done that. I don't think anyone can raise their hand. And so James is talking to all of us. And even though he's writing this letter to Christ followers, every single one of us can take from this wisdom and learn from what he's saying. Because this applies to every single person on the face of this planet. 
all of us at some point in our life have said something that has not been good. You know, whether it's in anger or in frustration or just or it's inappropriate or it's been annoying or insensitive or at the wrong time, whatever it may be, we've all said something, even sometimes we're not aware of it, to injure someone or cause someone some sort of damage. And the words we've said leave stings. You know, we've said words to people that have caused people to be injured, and we've had words said to us that have caused, pe- caused us to be injured. You know, there's an old saying that goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you know what? That's an absolute lie. It's, it's a bold-faced, absolute no truth in that statement at all. Because we all know that, yes, sticks and stones might hurt us, and they hurt us temporarily, but words actually have a deeper-rooted pain and hurt that actually leave a lifetime of, of scars and lifelong repercussions. I bet you can remember right now words that were said to you. Maybe it's been 5 years, 10 years, 20 years. 30 years ago, words that were said in your life that have been hurtful that you remember. The important thing for us to know is that when people say negative things, we actually remember them longer than when people say positive things into our life, which is interesting, right? Because we grab a hold of the negative things and keep them longer than we hold on to positive things. In fact, I can remember almost 30 years ago, people saying things to me, where I was, when it was, and what they looked like even, and what they were dressed with, words that were said to me. I'll give you an example. I remember when I was in high school, you know, and one of my math teachers, I was trying to solve a problem and I couldn't get it. And she called me dumb. You know, she said, you're dumb. And she turned around to the whole class and said, Gregory is dumb. And then later on, I found out that she did that to another class that came after us. And sooner or later, it went around to the whole school that, you know, the teacher was saying that Gregory is dumb. And I remember that I hated math. I hated math after that. I I didn't apply myself. I didn't want to do anything with it. And even to this day, I struggle with trying to get myself forced into it. And my poor parents, you know, they thought they were helping me by getting math tutors to come along and help me. But I never really applied myself because I just felt so down. I felt that was insignificant. And so I didn't actually apply myself. And it actually had repercussions in my life because, you know, later on in in my life, it had impacts on how I did things because I didn't want to apply myself in that particular subject. And so oftentimes, words said to us, whether they mean it or not, have great impact. And some people's words have so much weight attached to it, you know. As someone that says something that's important, we actually weigh them more. And some people's words have more weight than other people's words. In my role as a pastor, oftentimes people come and say, would you talk to me or would you talk to my son or daughter or would you help counsel us? And they put a lot of weight in the words that I say because of the position that I have. You know, if you were in need of medical attention and you went to the hospital you would listen to the words of a doctor more than you would if there was, say, a gym instructor standing next to you because the words of the doctor mean more in that particular circumstances. However, if you were in the gym and you were trying to do some curls or something like that and you had a gym instructor there giving you instruction and a doctor right beside them, you'd be give more weight to the gym instructor. And so different circumstances give more weight to people's words. And oftentimes, people in authority have more weight to their words and we listen to their words or give them more significance, which is really amazing because words can tear us down or build us up. They can demean us or insult us or they can build us up or strengthen us. 
And so James writes this letter. It's a, it's a first century letter written to Christ's followers in that time. But it's just as relevant today as it was then. You know, times have changed. Technology has advanced. And, but us as human nature, we have not changed much. We remain the same. And so the challenge, the test proof of a Christ follower, James is saying, is examine your words. And he gives us three amazing illustrations from his word that, again, is very relevant in our our time as well. And so the first illustration he says is a horse. You know, horses are massive animals, much more bigger and weightier than human beings. And, you know, but human beings are able to control a horse. And have you ever been on a horse? Because I've had to ride a horse at one point. And sometimes I've seen little children get up on a horse and they're at the top of the horse and, you know, their legs don't even go around the horse. They're sticking out like that. But they're able to control this massive animal. And the way they're able to control this horse is for the six inch piece of metal that is between its mouth called a bit. And so you can control the horse's direction, you can control the speed of the horse, you can make it stop, you can make it go, all from the small piece of metal that's in a horse's mouth. And so James says, you know, we're able to do that. Then he gives us this other other illustration. He says ships, you know, he talks about these massive ocean-going vessels. And at James's time, they were big, not as big as our time, but massive. And they used to have massive sails that would carry tons of people and cargo and they would be able to navigate the high seas. And he says, imagine this huge ship, but it's being directed by a very small piece of wood in the rear called a rudder. And the helmsman controls this. You know, he tells the ship where to go. And the small piece of wood, the size of a human being, controls a massive ship. And then he gives us this third illustration, which is amazing, which you can all relate to living in Australia. And he says this, a small spark can burn down a forest. Living in Australia every year, we are faced with this threat of bushfires that kind of ravage the land and thousands and thousands of hectares and acres are burnt down and people's lives are destroyed and people's properties are destroyed all from one small ember. And so one spark can let a forest on fire and it has such devastating impact from all those people living in that area. And so Jay's James compares this illustration and he says, I'm giving you these three examples and I'm asking you to think about them. And then he introduces the subject. He says, such is it with our tongue. See, the tongue is a small muscle, but it causes so much damage. It's a small member, but causes devastating damage. Our tongue is a small muscle, but it gets us into a world of trouble. When we speak, you know, it gets everything, everyone in trouble, not just our tongue. It gets our whole body in trouble. Ever heard of a parent say, hey, Johnny, I didn't like what you said, so I'm putting your tongue in a timeout? No, it's little Johnny that gets the timeout. When you hear people arguing, they don't say, I hate your tongue. They say, I hate you. So our tongue, even though it's a small member, gets our whole body in trouble. Did you know The human tongue has eight muscles in it. And here's an interesting fact. These muscles, unlike any other muscle in your body, do not get tired. Your tongue muscles can talk and talk and talk and talk, and they never get tired. Your mouth might get tired, but your tongue will never get tired. And so James uses some strong language. He says it's like it's been set on fire from hell. 
It does massive damage for its size. It's a small muscle, but it deals major damage. And all of us have felt the devastation of words that have pulled us down. And so he says this amazing thing, and he wants us to lean into this instruction because it's so poignant to us. And he says it in James 1.19, he says, My brothers and sisters, take note of this, which means pay close attention, really lean in, really listen. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak, which is interesting. How, do you, how are you quick to listen? How would you become quick to listen? You know, we're quick to speak. We speak a lot when we are frustrated, when we're angry. You know, we speak a lot when we have different emotions running through our lives. Words used to express how we feel, which is good. But when we use words to pull people down, that's bad. And so what James is actually saying is that we talk more than we listen. And so we need to reverse that. We need to be able to listen more than we talk, which is interesting that the human body has two ears and one mouth. And I think that's God's way of telling us we need to listen twice as much as we talk. But most of us, we like to talk more than listen. And so an important thing is that when we talk, we're not actually listening. When we're actually using words to speak, our ears don't actually hear what the other person is trying to say. And the interesting dichotomy of human nature is that we want to be heard. Every one of us want to be heard and understood. But when we are talking, we're not listening to what the other person is actually trying to say. We're just talking over them. So often in anger, we say things we regret. We put people down. We say things that on later reflection we would never meant to say. And sometimes we can say, well, we apologize. And, you know, when we apologize, it does not remove the pain or the sting of the words that were said. For example, if you happen to cut someone by accident, you can't say, well, I'm so sorry. And you actually might mean that I'm sorry that I cut you. But that doesn't remove the situation. You still have to go to the doctors. You still have to go to the hospital and, you know, get that fixed or get stitches. And you'll find that the scar still remains. So just because you apologize does not remove the pain of the words that were said in anger or frustration. Words are powerful. And we know they are powerful because we've had positive words in our lives and negative words in our life. And we remember them, right? And they've shaped us to who we have become. Words have actually shaped our character. They've shaped who we actually look at ourselves as. They've shaped our worldview. They've shaped our outlook in life. Somewhere along your life journey, someone said things to you that changed the way you behaved or changed the way that you talked, or changed the way that you, be, you, know, you, you did things in life. And when you look in the mirror, what you see reflected is the character of what words have done in your life. All words, whether good or bad, positive or negative, have contributed to creating who you actually are. They've shaped who you become. And so if words have shaped us, then the words that we use can shape what other people become. And so if words are powerful, then you are powerful. And your words have the power to pull up or destroy someone's life. And so James says, test your words. Examine what your words actually mean. And so Paul takes on this thought and James kind of lets it end. He says, you know, examine yourself, check it out, 
and see what happens. But Paul gives us some deeper insight into this. And he says to us in Ephesians 4.29, this great apostle, you know, who had come from the struggle of, you know, trying to persecute Christians, but he follows and he becomes his great Christ follower. And he gives us these words in Ephesians 4. He says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, Paul and James, by extension, are not just saying, be kind with your words. Because oftentimes we've been told, as Christ followers, just be kind, just be nice. But to live in a world that means where you can't say anything bad or you can't say anything negative is unrealistic. You ever tried living in a world where, you know, you just can't say anything other than be nice? Imagine this. Imagine if you had a child and, and this child got in a tantrum with other, another child and this child is actually choking the other child. Would you come up and say, hey, Billy, wouldn't it be nice if you would just remove your hands from your sister's neck and, and not choke her? You have to use words that are more urgent and more prominent. You can't just be that. Imagine if you were at work and, you know, you had this employee who was just always late and lazy. Would the boss sit down and say, hey, you know, Jim, we so appreciate you just showing up to work and just your presence here is just so great. But it would be really helpful if you would come in, you know, just a little bit early. And if it's not too much trouble, you know, if it's not too much stress for you, if you feel like it, maybe you can do a little bit of work. But we don't want to tell you, you know, what to do. You can just do whatever you want. How realistic would that be? Or your friend comes out of your ho- their house, you know, you're taking them for an interview and they just look horrendous. Their hair is a mess and their clothes don't match. And you know that if that person goes to this interview, they'll not get the job. And they say to you, so how do I look? Would you say, you look fabulous, you look great, you look brilliant, you know, I'm sure that you look great, you'll certainly get the job. Is that helpful? Is those words helpful? They're not helpful at all. So yes, we can be kind, but they're not actually helpful. And so what Paul is trying to say, and he says it right there in the text, he's saying, use words helpful for building others up according to their needs. And so sometimes we need to say things that are direct. We need to say things that might seem, you know, you know, hurtful at the time, but they're not actually said in hurt. They're said to build someone up. And oftentimes, you know, I've had situations where people say, well, you shouldn't say things because that doesn't sound kind. But my interest is not in being kind, but it's in being helpful. And sometimes we're able to say things to help someone, even though it might not appear to be kind, because being kind sometimes takes away from being helpful, as in the circumstance of telling your friend they look great because you're trying to be kind, but it's not helpful for them in that circumstance. And so Paul says, yes, you are to be gentle, And we try to be kind, but more importantly, we are to use words that are beneficial to build someone up. And he adds this, according to their needs. Use your words to construct and not destruct. So imagine this. Imagine that you are on a construction site and you're going there to build something up. And so you have, you know, equipment there that can be used to build up this building. For example, a crane could be used to lift materials to construct a building or it can be used to carry, you know, a big weight 
a demolishing block that will demolish the building. And so the same vessel, the same crane that can be used to build up can also be used to destroy a building. And so Paul is trying to get us this. He says, imagine that you're on a construction site. You know, the same machine that's used to destroy the building can be used to construct the building. And so in the same way, Paul is saying, your words are powerful, that you can use words to build people up or you can use words to destroy people. How you choose to do that is dependent on you because you control what comes out of your mouth. And so James is trying to give us that same illustration. And when we look into the life of Jesus, our ultimate example, Jesus, some words, when you look at the words of Jesus, don't appear to be kind, but they were always helpful for the person who was listening. They were used to build up their faith, to give them insight, to give them understanding, to give them some sort of direction that they needed, might not necessarily understood, but they needed so they can get an understanding of where they need to go. See, the important thing for us to understand is that words are creative forces. Just like God used words to create the world, we can use words to create character in people, or we can use words to destroy people. It's so important, James says, that we analyze what comes out of our mouth. We need to be gatekeepers of our mouth. We can't let words that are stirred up in our heart with anger just flow out of our mouth and injure and damage and destroy people. We need to be keepers of the gate, minders of our mouth, mentors or monitors of our words. We have to be able, as Christ followers, with the Spirit of God, to analyze the words that come out of our mouth. And so James says this, be a gatekeeper. And Paul says, thinks of this as you are on a construction site and you're on a construction site to build up things and not destroy things. And as Jesus followers, we need to be mindful of what we say and how we say it. And it's so important that we test what comes out of our mouth because our character is a reflection of Christ. And we are representatives of him when we go out into the world and we interact with people not of the same belief or not of the same faith. We are representing Christ. And when we say things that don't represent him or we speak words that belittle our image of Christ in us, we're not actually representing him in the way we should. And this is what I want you to take away today. Write this thought down. Every conversation is like a construction site. Every conversation is like a construction site because in that conversation, you can use words to build the person up, words that are helpful, not necessarily always kind, but helpful to give them the right instruction and guidance that's necessary in love, in gentleness, but helpful for their particular needs. That's what Paul says words to build up for their particular needs. And so anytime you're on a conversation, it's like God sending you as a builder on a construction site. And you have the opportunity to either build something up or destroy something down. Because I want you to remember this, every conversation is like a construction site. And so James brings us this thought and he kind of brings it all together in this. And it's kind of like a gut punch for a Christ follower. It really is. And so James 3 verse 9 says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made 
in God's likeness. You know, we come to church, we sing songs of praise, we say God is good, and we say all of these wonderful things in songs and worship, and then we go home and we talk bad to our wife, to our children, to our husband, to our neighbors. We say the words of cursing and negative things, and it's not just the words, it's the tone and the sarcasm and the inflections that come all of it, come through us, you know. And so with the same mouth that we're using, the same tongue that we're using to give God praise, we're using to demean, to destroy, and to put down. And James brings us to this conclusion. How can this be? Can an olive tree produce different kind of fruit? Can a, water, can a well produce good water and bad water at the same time? And so he leaves it in kind of an open-ended question. He doesn't bring it to conclusion. He doesn't give us any practical ways at that point to say, okay, this is what you should do. Paul is the one that comes later and says, you know what, use words to build up. But James just leaves it right there. He just says, okay, we're done. We're moving on to the next subject. But this is what he's trying to say. Think about the words that come out of your mouth. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Listen more than you talk. And use words to strengthen one another, build one another up, help one another, direct one another, and not destroy another. Because you see, that person we're talking to is in the image of God. And later on, if you read what Paul says in Ephesians, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, because when you're in a conversation... It's like a construction site, as I said. And when you're talking to someone and you say something to pull them down, God's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to build that person up. And you've just come into the site and you've just wrecked the whole building. And we leave wrecked building sites because we leave conversations where we pull people down and they feel like they've just been destroyed and their character's been pulled down. And we go on our business like nothing happened. Then we go to church and then we go home and then we say, oh, I love God and I love this and I love the word. But we're not carrying the character of Christ through the words we speak. And so James really wants us to test ourselves. Test proof yourself, he says. Are you able to manage your mouth? Because if you're able to, he says, you're a perfect human being. And so transformers and Christ followers, wherever you're watching from, that's the question we want to ask ourselves this morning. Do our words build people up? And I want you to remember this in every conversation from now on. Every conversation is a construction site. You're there as a builder to build things up and not pull things down. It's through your mouth that you can shape a new generation because you are powerful. You are a powerful human being that God put in creative ability. And through your words, you can create positive characters and build up amazing people or you can belittle people and destroy character and make people feel insignificant. The choice is up to you. And James says, test yourself to see what really comes out of your mouth because what comes out should be a reflection of who you are and what God has called you to be. Are we following in what God has called us to be. And so I want to challenge you, Transformers. I want to challenge you wherever you're watching from. Let's be true Christ followers 
and emulate Christ, not just in our deeds, but in our words as well. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for you, pray for us, I'm going to pray for the church and all of us watching this morning. May God bless us. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We honor you and we bless you. We appreciate your words. We appreciate your instruction through your brother James and through the amazing apostle Paul. And we thank you, Lord God. And Lord, we want to examine ourselves and we want to use words to build people up in their needs and to strengthen them and to use words to construct people up rather than pull people down. Help us in our journey of life. Help us as we continue step after step towards the place that you've called us to. And we pray, my God, that you continue to just endure us with power of the Holy Spirit so we can live transformative lives. In all that we do, in all that we, we want to be, cause us to be more like you, to act, to live, and more importantly, to speak like you, Jesus. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.